Amen. Well, welcome everybody. Welcome to everybody at home as well as getting online. Great to be in church. Why don't you take a seat? Hey kids, guess what? We have kids happening today. So if you want to make your way out to the kids program, I think from three-year-olds up to the end of primary school, I think, I really don't know. Elizabeth's heading out there, man. She's going. Can't hold me back, she says. Also, just letting you know, parents, wow, it's a mass exodus. Um, I'm well informed that our, our parents' room has got great sound in it, great things happening up there, which is fantastic. So if you need to use that on level five, please feel free to do that. Aha, it's great. We actually also have our young people, many of them, about 40 or 50 of them today, are out at Oberon, ministering in the church at Oberon. And uh, we had a great night at Bathurst last night and saw a whole bunch of young people responding to what God wanted for their lives. And I'm convinced that God is beginning something amongst the young people, the Christians within the country regions. And uh, I don't know, maybe it's something that obsesses my heart a lot, but I just want to be part of that and um, see what we can do to see God move powerfully through a generation of young people. But I would not want to be an Oberon this morning. I think it's minus five there this morning. If it gets to minus five, you want to have some snow, right? Ah, uh, you really do. Ah, oh, great. But it's great to be in church. It's great to be here. And I do apologise that I'm not Tim Hall. And uh, if you're not aware, Pastor Tim sends his apologies, but he just couldn't come. He lives in Melbourne. He lives in the Docklands there. And he said there's so many hotspots around where he lives. We just don't want to do that. Can you imagine if, you know, Strong Nation Church brings COVID to New South Wales, you know? And um, nah. but what I've realised is that uh, our God is not a respecter of a person. He loves every one of us, but our God is still our God and He is powerful and He's wonderful. Amen. Just want to take a moment out to let you know that uh, in two weeks' time, we'll be taking up our annual seed offering. And that seed offering is what I believe is a miracle offering. And it has been such a blessing to so many. We have seen amazing things in Cambodia, in our local regions, in the schools. Um, we've been able to provide um, necessary things. You know, who knew that COVID was happening and we had to do live streaming? And um, it's been a blessing to so many people, the live streaming. Well, we were able to say, yes, let's do that now, bang. And along with the incredible team who pulled that off, able to build the room. We couldn't have done that without the seed offering, you know that. And uh, we would have done it very differently. Um, We've been able to do so much. Well, we want to continue doing stuff. I can tell you again and again that the chaplaincy that we have, we're forming a chaplaincy team, primarily in our schools, our primary schools and our high schools. And we are seeing so many good things happen as a result of having the chaplains in there. That comes from our seed offerings. You know, in Cambodia, I'm not sure whether they're streaming in with us today, but uh, church is flourishing over there. We're seeing people getting baptised, it seems like every month now. Um, people who are coming to Christ and a, a new generation of Cambodians finding hope. When you think about the history of that nation, oh, it's huge. You know, um, Deb Neal, who's working in Phnom Penh, is telling me she knows 13 families. Third of, she knows of 13 families that because the wet markets have had to close down of COVID, they can't get food. Well, yes, they can because we were able to sow seed. And we can actually send her some finance so she can actually go and find um, food for 
mostly young um, single mums and their families. So they don't have to worry about that, you know. Udon himself knows of 60 families that need food. So we're able to send finance them. Why? Because we have the seed available to us. And I've got a feeling we're going to need more to send to them. We want to do that. We can't do any of that without the seed. Because you sowed in faith. Also, for many years, Strong Nation Church has been burdened with a debt. You're sitting in a beautiful building right now. And we've been blessed with so much, but we had a huge debt with that. And it was somewhat crippling. And I could sit down and tell you a long story about that one. But um, I want to tell you, we're down under a million dollars now because of your giving. Isn't that cool? That's awesome. What excites me about that is, uh, God spoke to me the other day. He wants to provide for us buildings for our Mountains Church and building for our Penrith Church, which pay for themselves. But it takes equity. It takes the ability to be able to receive a loan to do that. And we actually have an enormous amount of equity because faithful people have sown seed. So it's just a matter of finding the properties that will pay for themselves. I'm not going to put us in huge debt, unpayable debt again. Um, I don't do that. What I want to see is a building which will pay for itself as we use it to glorify God. Amen? So we're able to do that. The more we, we sow into that, the more equity we have, which is wonderful. So on the 20th of June, I'm going to ask you again, would you listen to God? I don't want you to give out of being emotional about anything. I don't want to whip you and say, come on, church. No, no, I want you just to listen to God. I say, God, what can I sow? What seed can I sow? He who gives seed to the sower will fill your, your, your barns, he says. You see, as a pastor, the most important thing to me, yeah, we've got all these great things, but what excites me most is you get blessed. And I've seen so many people who have sowed in faith for years reaping the rewards of blessing over their families right now and, and also in material needs as well because they sowed with seed. I'm a testimony that I could spend all day telling you about how God has blessed us. Faithful. Because we obeyed Him. So I'm going to ask you over the next two weeks, could you pray? And on that day, we actually don't take up offerings anymore, but we have a box at the back. You can put your offering in or you can do it online. Let's sow in faith and see what we're able to do this next year. I want to extend our chaplaincy. We want to do more in Cambodia. We want to be able to feed those families. I want to be able to help people with hope initiatives. Things I label hope initiatives, bringing hope into a community. On Friday, I stood on a football field just down the road here where a whole bunch of mourning people farewelled a 15-year-old young man whose life ended in tragic circumstances. And I sat around and I looked at all these young people and I thought, we're going to bring hope because hope is found in Jesus Christ. And um, I don't know, you know how many opportunities we're going to have, but every time we have one, we're going to be walking through that door. Amen? So let's sow seed so we can bring hope. Amen? That's in two weeks' time. Let you know that we actually have available to that tax deductibility and non-tax deductibility giving. Some of the things we do, we can use with tax deductible giving. Some of the things we're not allowed to use that money for, and we won't. Things like paying for that room at the back, which houses our live streaming team. Well, we can't use tax deductible funds for that. So I'm going to ask you, if you can take benefit of that, please do. Please do. 
But if you don't need to, please don't. <laughs> because we can actually use it both ways then. Is that cool? If we want to plant churches in Cambodia, we can't use tax-deductible giving for that. But if we want to bless families with food through what Deb Neal does, absolutely we can. There's both sides of it. Amen? Is that cool? Do you understand that? I'm sure Andrew Mann will explain that to you afterwards if, if you want to ask him. You see, church, Bill Hybels once made this statement. The local church is the hope of the world. And I fully believe that. The local church has the hope of the world within it. And I believe we as Strong Nation Church have opportunities that God wants to put before us to bring change into people's lives. We are the hope of the world. Do you feel like it? Do you feel like you are? You know what, there's lots of things to love about our society. There's lots of things to love about the era in which we live. The fact that right now my parents are in Gilgandra watching us live and being part of our church service, I think that's amazing. What a great time we live. There's so many blessings, so much good things about where we live. However, there is so much brokenness around. There's so much confusion. Someone once made a statement that uh, anxiety is the common cold of the 21st century. Seems like people seem to struggle in these areas and I see a lot of fractures happening in people's lives and I sit there and think, we need hope. We've got to bring hope into a world which is craving it right now. They have everything at their fingertips in the nation in which we live. We're the most incredibly blessed nation in the world. But yet people are fracturing and lives are being broken. It's like you can have everything live in your living room but have no hope. The local church is the hope of the world. People should be living victorious lives, but I see so many people being defeated all the time. I want to challenge us today about church. Would we be the hope of the world? I want to read you a passage of scripture. It's a lengthy passage. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 to 31. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chooses the foolish things of this world. That always makes me laugh. He's talking about us and then he says, God chooses the foolish. Okay? Things of this world, you know, we should be offended at that, right? How dare he call us? Sorry, couldn't resist. But God chooses the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of this world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things of this world and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ, Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let no one boast, boast, no, no, sorry, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Basically, he's saying here, really, you haven't got what it takes, but that's okay because you have the Lord and any boasting that's in us, remember him because he is working through your life and then the chapter ends. But remember, when this was written, there were no chapters. He just kept writing. So let's look at what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 to 5. 
And so it was with me, brothers and sisters. When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence of human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, listen to this, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Yep, he's saying it. You haven't got what it takes, but you've got what it does take. That's what he's saying. In your life, who you are could be from anything. Your journey is your journey and we've all made mistakes, we've all blown it, we've all missed opportunities. But you know what, it doesn't matter because what it does take is in you and that's God's power. I've been preaching this series, This New Kingdom, and I love this series. It's a bit of a personal journey and I keep joking saying, you know, that, that analogy, I'm a beekeeper. If you see me running, you better keep up. And I wanna say to you, I'm on a journey, I'm the pastor, and if you see me running, come on, keep up. We're on a journey of discovering this kingdom of God, which God has made available to all of us. And let me tell you, it is in his kingdom where that power is found. It is in his kingdom that there is so much power. There's the power of God, the ability to see lives changed and be the hope of the world is right in there. In this passage I read, Paul is saying, we're all just average Joes or Josephines. Josephine, you're here? No, no. We're all just average. We're just kicking the tin along. And he says, that's really good because God is the one who gets the glory, not us. He goes on to say, I don't come with persuasive words or eloquence. That's just as well because you could probably move by eloquence and miss out on the power of God. You're really, really lucky, church, because your pastor's not real eloquent. He hasn't got it together with being an awesome preacher. He's not a... Uh, an actor, he's not a person who has it great. He's not a guy who's a fantastic care for everybody. Like Pastor Andrew, he just cares for everybody. I'm not that guy. Well, I do care, but I don't show it that much. You're lucky because you don't want that anyway. We don't want the superhero. God doesn't want to use superheroes. I don't want to be a superhero. I'd rather be a fallen, forgiven person who was a sinner but is now redeemed and someone who possesses the power of God, which I think is so much better. I could use up all of my energy just trying to be the best sermon giver ever. Oh, so well said, Pastor Rick. I'd rather you experience God's power as a result of my preaching than experience a great piece of Rick's wisdom, which is not that great. I'd like you to have God's power received into your heart from anything that comes from our pulpits than a really good sermon. That's what Paul's saying. You see, I could be a really great pastor, I could be a really good preacher, but that's not what changes lives. 
It is only God's power that can change a life. It is only Him. And we are so gracious, or well, sorry, grateful. We are so lucky, if you like, or blessed, that God would actually allow us to witness it. We're talking about the guy who breathed the stars into place. The guy who said, let there be light, and there was. He lets you access his power. Wow. Can we just think about that for a moment? The one who created everything that ever existed said, here, Lance, have some power. Wow. Use. Go for it. It's all yours. Wow. I wouldn't even let you do that to my car. He does it with the power, which is amazing. It's only an encounter with the power of the Holy Spirit that changes lives. In 1999, I had the honor of going to the far east of Russia, a place called Khabarovsk. Oh, sorry, Dan. <laughs> Spelled with a K, Khabarovsk. And it was 25 degrees Celsius below every day. I walked out onto the river. I walked on water. And it was really cool. And I'm doing this out in the middle of the river until someone said, oh, you do know people do fall through, and when you do, you're gone. <laughs> I was there to, um, they, they were gathering church planters from all over the far east of Russia. You've got to understand, this is only, not even a decade after the, the Iron Curtain went down. And um, these preachers have been preaching for years, illegally in Russia, where they could be jailed for preaching the gospel. Well, they've got a freedom now. And they come along and they, they came for miles, many of them walking, minus 25 degrees. And my job was to just talk about youth ministry in a few sessions through the week and then we'd attend church on the Sunday and come home. And um, one of these mornings I was gearing up for my session on youth ministry. I was a youth pastor at the stage and this really old gentleman in some really old clothes came up to me with the translator, was introduced to me by a translator. Rick, he's been preaching the gospel for many years, many, many years, 30, 40 years. And um, he's actually here today, he's traveled six hours walking to be here. And he's wondering whether you could pray for him, he really wants to receive the Holy Spirit. I said, yeah, that'd be great. Feeling very inadequate, very, this guy. Anyway, I just laid hands on him. I began to pray and I felt the power of God all around us. And he started crying. And he started speaking what I thought was Russian. All this stuff, you know. It was really nice. And he just thanked me, thanked me, tears just flowing down his cheeks and went off. So I went and did my awesome session after that thinking, man, I'll do my session about how to be cool with youth and how to reach the youth. And, and I was really thinking I did a really good job. And I looked out afterwards for that older guy. This is the first day of the conference. And um, I said to the interpreter, where's, where's Yuri? Oh, he's gone home. Why's he gone home? And I'm thinking, oh no. Oh, Rick, he got what he came for. He got filled with the Holy Spirit. He'd never spoken in tongues and he was and he, he felt the power of God. He'd never done that. He's gone home. Wow. Wasn't there for my preaching. He wasn't there for my great knowledge. He was there to receive the power of God. Later on in that week, we're getting ready to go to the church on the Sunday. It was going to be great to go to a Russian church. It'll be awesome. And, um, you know, we were guests and we were going to 
listen to the pastor. And it was 10.30 on the Saturday night and I get a phone call. Um, um, pastor wants to speak to you. So I talk, Pastor Rick, would you like to bring the word? I feel God wants you to bring the word tomorrow. Yes, okay. It's 10.30 at night, tomorrow morning. Okay. And it wasn't a really big crowd. I'm getting ready that night and I felt the Lord say to me, just wear that blue tie, that white shirt. Okay, wear the tie. Okay, we're in Russia. I'll do that. I went and I preached. can't even remember what I preached. Preached a message, but what I do remember is something happened in this church which I found out later has never happened before. I gave an altar call and this woman came down crying, giving her heart to Jesus Christ. I thought, wow, I must be an awesome preacher. This has never happened in this church. It is incredible. Until I found out later that her mother came up to me crying. She said, my daughter last night went to bed and God spoke to her and said, there will be a man with a blue tie preaching my word at church. You must go to church for the first time ever. And she came with me and you were there with the blue tie. So next week, I'm going to be preaching on Humpty Dumpty. <laughs> God used a, a useless vessel with a blue tie to bring someone to show his forgiveness to them. That's the power of God. I wasn't a very old Christian. I was just following Christ for a few years. And my youth pastor, Mark Hopkins, rings me up and says, Rick, got to pray for a young guy up at church can you come yeah okay this kid was about 14 years old and he had a really hard time and um I walk in and Mark says thanks glad you're here it's like you'd seen a ghost okay cool and um this boy had a demon within his his body this demon starts yelling at us and screaming at us and Mark's in the name of Jesus anyway this boy falls to the ground he's shaking and all of a sudden he stops and looks at me. And this face says to me, it's okay. This is Jesus here. We've got it in control. I said, if you're Jesus, who am I? Ah, Starts screaming again. Ah. And then he looked at me with this face. I'll never forget this face. It was like the Joker. His face distorted. And this anger rose inside of me. I felt, how dare you? How dare you, one, impersonate my saviour and two, rob this boy of freedom. And I don't know where this came from, but I said, get out of him now in the name of Jesus. And he screamed and the boy fell, boom. He looked different. He got set free. Now, I can't say I was an experienced exorcist, whatever that word is, exorcist. I, I had never even preached a sermon at this point. I... I just knew that God loved me and he was with me and the Holy Spirit was in my life and I got annoyed and God used his power to set a young boy free. It's not about how good we can be, people. It's about walking in his power. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words but with the demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. It's available to us all. It's the main reason why I want us to begin to live in his kingdom, because I'm not sure whether I do every day live within his kingdom. 
You see, his kingdom is where Jesus rules and when Jesus rules. That's it. And I can't say I've lived my entire life with God ruling in it, even post-accepting Christ. Not every day where I say, okay, Jesus, you rule my emotions right now. Sometimes I rule them. All right, God, now you rule my time, God. Sometimes I rule that. My finances, my resources, God, they're yours. You rule over these. Sometimes I rule over those. I want to live a moment-by-moment life within the kingdom. And I want to learn how to walk that every day. And that's the journey I'm on. They're the bees I'm running from. I'm going to ask you, church, would you join me? The reason why is because if we learn to live, to walk in his kingdom every day, we get to walk in his power. That's where grace is found. That's where forgiveness, when you're able to forgive when the rest of the world would never forgive, that's where it's found. Hope is found right there, love, acceptance. They're all found within the kingdom. That's why Jesus said, you can love your enemies. It's impossible to think that you could do that within the world. But Jesus says, love your friends, yeah. Love your acquaintances, yeah. But I say, love your enemies. Now, I could spend all of my life trying to do that, be better at it. But I don't think that's what he meant. I think he meant, come into my kingdom and you'll find the ability to love your enemies. That's what he said. Can you imagine with me a family of believers who live moment by moment in that kingdom? Can you imagine the power that would be within those believers? The all-powerful God in his kingdom? You've heard the expression, I've often said it, you know, it's, Christians really should walk in the spirit. Paul says it, walk in the spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh, Galatians 5. In fact, all of Galatians 5 is about, you should be walking in the spirit. The reason is, that's the key to living in the kingdom. I think it's the same thing. John and Peter call it walking in the light. Walk in the light as I am in the light. Walk in the kingdom. Allow the kingdom moment by moment to be around you. Where Jesus rules in everything we do. And it's then we understand the power. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8, there's this incredible passage of Scripture that says, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be my witnesses. This group of very average people go to this room and start praying and the amazing things start happening. Supernatural things start happening and all of a sudden they run out into the streets speaking tongues and then everything changes. They're not just fishermen and, and tax collectors and whatever they all are on the chosen, I don't know. They're not just normal people anymore. They're not just a woman who struggled with her morality. She's changed. And we see when we read the book of Acts, these miracles that flowed out of their lives through the power of God. Why? Because they were filled with the Holy Spirit, who is God. You see, that's where the power is. I want that power, don't you? I want to walk in that power. I want that power to not just be when I get a phone call to come and pray for a young boy, but in my everyday life. 
I want that power to be something which people benefit from. Yes, we will feed the poor. We will do that. We will clothe those who don't have the clothes. We will do everything we do. Why? Because that's what the kingdom calls us to do. And we love doing it. It's an amazing moment when you see someone who doesn't have food and you put food in their hands. It's an amazing moment, isn't it? We will do that. But I don't just want to do that. I want to see the power of God move through my life and your lives. Overcoming, victorious, showing people what the power of God is all about. There was a young man called Jacob. His name actually means supplanter or deceiver. Sorry to all you Jacobs. Turns out he was very much a deceiver, conniver. Ripped his brother's inheritance off and took his brother's inheritance from him. Made his brother a bit angry. His brother wanted to kill him. He went on the run and he was at the end of his life. Then one day he meets someone, has a wrestle. This someone was God himself and wrestles with him. So much so that light's coming up and God says, I've got to go now. He says, no, I will not let you go lest you bless me. He had an encounter with God, which changed his life. He saw the power of God. Even his name changed from Jacob to Israel at that point, which means wrestler of God, which is a really cool name. If we have another son. Wrestler with God. A whole nation was birthed out of him. That nation exists still today and has never been defeated, even today. Amazes me. It amazes me. Read the Old Testament. How did they win? Maybe it's because Papa experienced God on a powerful level and taught his children about that. Another young man called Samson had a promise before he was even born. If you keep him right, if he keeps away from loose living, if he keeps his lips away from the vine, if he keeps his hair long, don't cut his hair. I don't know why God stipulated that, but he did. And he did that and he was raised that way. And he had incredible strength and people were amazed. Why is he so strong? We see him in movies really built, but he probably wasn't. He's probably just maybe like me. I don't know. But I'm amazed at his strength. A lion comes along and goes, here, kitty, kitty, kitty. I'm going to rip you apart. And he does. And one day he forgot about God. Forgot about the stipulation in which God had asked him to live by. Got into the wine. Married a woman he should never have married. Lived a very loose life and they cut his hair and they tied him up. Saddest scripture in the Bible. And he did not know the spirit had left him. He had the power of God. His hair grew back. He came back to God. He started to draw on that spirit again, the power of God. And he ended up delivering Israel as a result of it. Another young man, he was the least of the least of the least. 
of Israel. He was in the least tribe and he was in the least family. He was the least of his family. His name was Gideon. He was a coward. He was nervous. He was terrible in the sense that he just wanted to lock away in life, hiding in a wine press. And God says, Gideon, you're just who I need. Come on, young man of valor. Man of valor. I'm the least, I'm the least, I'm the least, and I'm too scared to even go outside. Come on, man of valor. Many of you know that story. If you haven't, read Judges. Mate, he gathers his army because God keeps talking to him and, and overcomes his doubt. God keeps speaking to him and showing him that, you know, the Midianites are going to take you out, but you've got an army. Oh, yeah, it's actually getting big now. He said, no, no, it's actually too big. <laughs> I won't get the glory if the big army wins. Knock it down, ends up with 300 people. Him, he takes on the Midianites and has victory after victory after victory. This little guy who couldn't even go outside because he was too scared, experienced the power of God. Look at a guy called Elijah. He found himself in a terrible state where they're killing all the prophets of Israel and Israel was taken over by these weirdos who are trying to get rid of God out of Israel or Israel out of God. Or One day God says to him, come on, take on the fight, son. I believe in you. He stands on a mountain, Mount Carmel. He challenges, you know, a thousand or so prophets of a demon God. And he says, you call down fire from your God, I'll call down fire from my God. The one who lights up the altar, he's God. They danced all Sunday, got all their Sunday clothes all messy because they slit themselves and blood everywhere and nothing. Elijah turns around, pours water all over it just to make a thing of it. He says, God, light it up. He lights it up. He experienced the power of God and set Israel free because he experienced God's power. David, a young boy, Shepherd boy, no one believed in him. Talk about average Joe. His older brothers, they were all impressive, but he wasn't. But God anointed him as a boy, probably a ruddy little teenager. Bible calls him a ruddy little man. Anointed him with the Holy Spirit. The thing about David is it never left him. Oh, that was unique. Because in the Old Testament, what we read is the Holy Spirit would come and go. But with David, it never left him. David visits his brothers at war one day. He's a giant yelling abuse to God. He got ticked. How dare that guy do that? Who's going to take him out? You can't do it. You're just a youth. He's been trained since he was a youth. You can't do it. Yes, I can. I don't need your armour. All I need is the power of God. He goes and picks up a little stone, comes up to this giant and says, you defile the armies of the living God. How dare you? In the name of God. <laughs> Took him out. This little boy who no one believed in became the king of Israel and led them through so many battles. Why? Because he had the anointing, the power of God on his life. These young men, fishermen, working on the Sea of Galilee, 
just trying to keep their families fed, I suppose. Very rural land, not big wigs, not eloquent. They had that experience in the upper room where the Holy Spirit empowered them. One of them's name was Simon Peter. Simon was, he stuffed up. He even denied Jesus after he'd seen all the miracles, man. But he gathered himself together. Jesus spoke a word over him. But then he waited in the room and the power of God came upon him and everything changed. Everything changed. One day, he and his mate were walking to church and passed a guy who'd been crippled for 40 years, begging for money, give me money, give me money. And Peter, the word, Acts chapter three, Peter full of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit says, I don't have any money, mate, but what I do have, I'm gonna give you. And he grabbed his hand. He said, look at me, look at me. Look at the power of God in my life because that's your hope, mate. Look at me. I've got God in my life. He's empowered me. Look at me. Grab me by the hand in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. This guy started dancing and running around and leaping. And I reckon if it was me, it would have been screaming. I can walk 40 years. All because a very average fisherman got empowered by God. Powerful. We read about a guy who was a legalistic, I'm thinking of a whole bunch of words I can't say right now. His name was Paul, Saul. He thought he had all the answers because he knew what was right and what was wrong. He knew it. In fact, the Christians were wrong and they had to be excommunicated off the planet. So he started killing them. Then he has an encounter with the Saviour himself. Blind for three days, God knocks him off his donkey and says, hey, don't persecute my people. I've called you. Spends three days blind. In that moment, young guy called Ananias, forgot to mention Ananias, he had the power of God. You think about it. He hears about a guy who kills Christians. You're a Christian. God says, go see him and pray for him. You've got to have a power. Ananias walks in there and says, Paul, Saul, receive this. Holy Spirit comes on Paul, changes his life, gives his whole life now to seeing the kingdom expand all over Asia. So much so that he writes these passages of books and letters that we actually get our, get our, our good doctrine from. God moved him. He saw miracles. He would walk past. His shadow would touch people and they'd be healed. Here, have a handkerchief. I've had this in my pocket. They get healed. This power of God moved through his life. It didn't when he knew the Torah, but it did when he had the Holy Spirit. Around about 30 years ago, a young lady called Barbara looked around our church and said, there's a whole bunch of ladies here who need help. Some of them are widows, she was. But there's not enough just to sit around. We've got to do something. God speaks to her and says, have some fun. So Bob Sison grabs these ladies and says, come on, let's form the eagles. The golden oldies even, because the eagles weren't quite old enough. 
And for the last 30 years, we've seen so many women come to God and, and have comfort and peace because a woman decided to work in the power of God. And here she is. I can almost say mid-90s now. Still coming to church, loving Jesus, rebuking me for not being so spiritual. Thank you, Bob. Hey, Bob. Thank you. Thank you. It all comes with the Holy Spirit. It's not me. It's not how much scripture I know. I want to know more scripture, Kate. I really do. I want to know more about what he said and everything. But that's not what counts. What counts is, do I walk with Holy Spirit? Do I understand this supernatural God? In a Western world, we are so natural focused. But there is a supernatural world, Christians, that we need to really understand. And when He calls us and we respond, His power comes. How many people that you know need His power? Oh, but Rick, wasn't that just for the biblical days? No, no. See it all the time. We just don't focus on it. Sometimes in the Western church, we hope the preacher will actually demonstrate a few miracles so that we had a great service. I've done that. I don't think that's where it's at. Where I think it's at is this, when we, every believer, receives the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said this, John baptised with your water, I will baptise you with fire. This fire comes with inside of you and it explodes within you. And yes, things that aren't right gives you an anger, a righteous anger that something's got to change in there. And you look at brokenness and you say, something's got to change there. And you look at grieving young people and say, something's got to change in these young people. And I've got to tell you, I can't change them, but the power of God can. And I hold His power. Every one of you who are Pentecostal, we're a Pentecostal church. We're not evangelical, we're Pentecostal. That means this. We put a lot of weight on the day of Pentecost. The disciples received the gift of the Holy Spirit and we believe that gift is still receivable today. I received it. I've seen probably thousands of people receive it. What was so significant about Pentecost was this. It's not that the Holy Spirit came because He did it before. Jacob, David, all these guys. Deborah, she had it. Mary, Elizabeth, New Testament, they had it. But what changed on Pentecost was this. Even the average Joes can have Him. The Josephines of this world can have Him. And He comes and He fills you and He fills you with power. The ability to see things that eyes can't see. The ability to hear God's voice. The ability to see miracles and, and breakthroughs, to speak words of prophecy and knowledge and wisdom. It's not my wisdom, it's His. I see a church that comes together on Sundays 
to worship the Lord. Yeah, we'll hear from His Word. But on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, the power of God moves in all areas of the communities where you go out to touch, where you go out to be a partner in. That grieving widow finds peace because you spoke to her because you have the power of God. That person with this unexplained pain in their side doesn't have it anymore because you said, in the name of Jesus, stop. That young boy with a demon is free. How do we do that? It's the frustration of the Western church because everywhere else it's going crazy. What we call Pentecostal, the rest of the world calls church. It's going crazy in Japan, China, African nations. It's going crazy. It's growing faster than it ever has one. I want it here. And I think in His kingdom, that power is everything. Do you want it? It's accessible to everyone. The supernatural power of God. I can't give it to you. But He can and He's here right now. Can we all stand? Part of that power is when you read that beautiful Word of God, that He reveals things to you. He actually speaks to you from it. That power says that when you're praying, you're not just talking to God, you're interacting with Him. In fact, you're getting cased by Him. All of a sudden, prayer is not a burden. There's something you can't wait to do, Lance, because you're getting away with God. I love the secret place where it's just me and Him. He tells me secrets. He tells me that I'm okay. Oh God, I blew it the other day. Yeah, Rick, I know, but you're okay. You do know I've paid the price for that. You did? Yeah. Wow, thanks. It's okay, son. Oh, but God, I'm so confused. I feel like I'm crippled through pain or suffering. That's okay, son. We're gonna work through that together. That's what he does in the secret place. That worry you've got, Rick, it's okay. This is how you deal with that. Just give it to me. Rick, 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 Rick. Just give me that, please. Come on. I'll take that from you, that burden, that fear, that worry. I'll take that. Come on, let me. It's in the secret place he does that. I'll take it. Thanks, God. You're welcome, son. It's in the secret place where I have a conversation with him. I used to make him a coffee. <laughs> he doesn't drink much. Help my faith. I used to drive along holding his hand or walking to the train station holding his hand because it does my faith good to know he's with me. He's with you now. Just close your eyes just for focus sake. He's here. Holy Spirit. Even at home, don't just sit there. Look to him right now. Come on. 
Holy Spirit, come. Just come. Christian, invite him into your life right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Beautiful presence of the Lord. Just say, Lord, I want you to fill me. I want you to fill me overflowing. (laughs) Beautiful. If you're dry, let him flood you. Can I take your burdens? There's someone watching on live stream and you've been drowning in an ocean of worry, fear. And I see you swirling around just trying to get to the top. You're overwhelmed with everything in life. And you're trying to struggle to get to the surface to take a breath. And I believe the Lord would say to you, just put your arms out and float. And he'll take you to the surface. He'll just take you, just relax. And let him, in that moment of secret place, let him take, that's the power of God, let him take you to the surface. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Receive it, honey. Receive it, honey. Yeah. Adrian, I could prophesy over you all day. It's the presence of Jesus, mate. His Holy Spirit. It's supernatural. And in your life, so many gifts. And I believe the Lord would say to your son, taste it. Taste my spirit. Taste the power that he has within his kingdom. And it will answer every question you've had about God. It'll answer everything you've ever had about Christianity. You're a leader, son. But don't lead without him. You want the presence of God all over you. Feel that? That's God talking to you. It's Him. Holy Spirit. Actually, Adrian, I'd like to lay hands on you. Is that okay? Could you come? Honey, can I grab that? We've got to do the COVID safe thing, man. Feel that anointing? It's the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, right now. Just come. I pray, Lord, you'd fill him to overflowing. Let go of any fear of what you'll lose. Yep. He'll ask you to give up some stuff. That's all right. That's him. Remember, the kingdom is where Jesus rules. Fresh with 
with your power. Fill him, fill him, fill him. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Set apart. hungry this morning to experience God in your life I'd love to lay hands on you it's very biblical to do that it's what they did all the time it's impartation but it's not me, it's the Holy Spirit if you would like that I'd love to pray with you it's going to mean you're going to have to be bold though come out of your seat come and join me down the front. I'll sanitize my hands. I'd like to pray. If that's you right now, come on out of your chairs. Come on down and let me pray for you. Who else has come? Come on. Be bold. Don't wait for someone else. You want this? You want the supernatural power of God? Today's your day. Today is your day. Is there any more? Come on, you've got to be hungry if you want to receive this. You hungry for this? Come on down the front. There's people here and you have been resisting the call of God on your life because you've seen the cost. I want to tell you this. I'm prepared to pay the cost because my faith is in Him, not in man. And you know what? We have. But there's been others who have paid the price because their faith was in man, not God. And maybe they were eloquent. I don't know. Maybe they had it together. I don't know. But you saw something which you thought, no, that's not real. I want to apologise to you for whoever that was. And I want to say on behalf of the Lord, wasn't him he loves you and if you would respond to his call he wants to show you that power it's it's not what it was before it's new and Rick's not asking you to do anything but if the Holy Spirit's asking you I want to help him so why don't you come on down Forget what's in the past. Behold, all things are new. And let's just come to Jesus. Amen.